Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today is episode 1006, and we'll look at Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20. Let's read the passage. Early on the first day of the week, after he had risen, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him as they were mourning and weeping. Yet when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe it. After this, he appeared in a different form to two of them walking on their way into the country. And they went and reported it to the rest who did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who saw him after he had risen. Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. So the Lord Jesus, after speaking to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the accompanying signs. This is the Gospel of Mark. Mark gave us this gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus. And he ended with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. As I told you last time, it ends at verse 8. Chapter 16, verse 8. That's where you have the angel telling the women at the tomb that Jesus had risen from the dead. And it says, go tell the disciples to meet him in Galilee. And they ran away, but didn't tell anyone because they were afraid. Some people are uncomfortable with that, with this ending of Mark. They say, yeah, there's no post-resurrection appearances by Jesus. The other Gospels all have that. What's wrong with Mark? Didn't he believe that was important? It's not that he didn't consider them important. He didn't consider them essential to the gospel. It's not that Jesus is any more risen because Mary Magdalene saw him in the garden than the fact that angels sent by God told Mary Magdalene that he had risen. So, in Mark's mind, God has announced that Jesus is risen. That's enough. And Remember Mark's writing in a context that people have already heard the gospel. So he's just filling in the details of the ministry of Jesus leading up to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So in Mark's gospel, Jesus has risen. That's the end of his gospel. Just like at the beginning of his gospel, it begins with Jesus as an adult. There is nothing about Jesus' early life, nothing about the virgin birth, nothing about the lineage of Jesus. So Mark's gospel is much more condensed than the other gospels. The oldest manuscripts end at verse 8. There are a lot of manuscripts that have this longer ending on it, verses 9 through 20. So it was just a matter of the numbers then 9 through 20 would be in. But it's also a matter of the age of them. The oldest manuscripts don't have it. And some Christian historians from up into the 400s did not include the longer version. So it wasn't until after that that the 
longer version began to be accepted. And it was accepted then by the Catholic Church and was part of the Latin Vulgate. And then it got included in the King James Bible. And that's why it's basically still around today. But if you look on most Bibles, beginning in verse 9, there's either some kind of footnote or bracket. And that's where bracketed things or italic things are things that are of questionable origin. They're either known to be additions or suspected of being additions. So most of your Bibles will have some kind of note indicating that 9 through 20 is probably not original. Because it has such a history, that's why many Bibles actually do include it, but many don't. And nothing really depends on this ending. It's mostly things that you find in the other Gospels. Where, well, let's take it from verse 9. Early on the first day of the week after he had risen, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. We say all that in the other Gospels. She went and reported to those who had been with him as they were mourning and weeping. Yet when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe it. We see that in the other Gospels. After this, he appeared in a different form to two of them walking on their way in the country. They went and reported to the rest who did not believe them either. This matches Luke 24 with the disciples going to Emmaus and Jesus joined them. And then they ran back and told the others, but they didn't believe him. So what we see here is generally things that are from the other Gospels. And the best guess is some copyists were uncomfortable, thought something's been lost from the end of Mark. It shouldn't end that way. And so they put together basically a composite ending using things from the other Gospels and pretty much said, well, what Mark meant to say. And so most scholars today reject this longer ending based on what manuscripts it come from, and just the internal evidence, the way it's written. It would be odd to include that the seven demons have been cast out of Mary Magdalene. She's already been mentioned several times in this gospel. Verse 14, Later he appeared to eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who saw him after he had risen. They said to them, Go to all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. So this very much matches the Great Commission. Specifically, we see at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. But we do see it in a a Great Commission-like statement. Go and preach the gospel to the world in all the Gospels. One thing of concern is in verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Is that saying that you have to be baptized to be saved? Well, remember, it's a a later addition, most likely. So it's probably not what Jesus actually said. But by this point in time, baptism is so closely tied to salvation, belief. Anybody who wouldn't be baptized you say they don't believe. Anyone who believes is baptized. That's the way of proclaiming your belief. That's how you say, I believe, is you are baptized. So for hundreds of years, there would be nobody who would claim to be a believer who was not baptized. It's only in the much, much later years, and 
particularly today where we view baptism as optional. I'm a believer. I just don't want to be baptized. At the point in time where this would have been written, there, there is nobody who would claim to be a believer who would not be baptized. So this tying together belief and baptism, they go together. So it's not that you're saved through baptism. It's there's nobody who would be saved who would not be baptized. Verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will hands on the sick and they will get well. This has caused a lot of trouble. Basically, it's saying, at least just step back, what's the point? The point is saying that there will be miraculous signs amongst believers at large, not just the apostles. And don't try to make it say any more than that. But unfortunately, it's turned into, many people say it as every single believer these things apply to. We see the account in the book of Acts where Paul on the island of Malta is bitten by a snake when he's reaching in to get a piece of wood for the fire and everybody thinks he's going to die, but then God miraculously saves him. That's what this is really dealing with is there will be miraculous instances, but what we see in some groups, as they said, to prove your faith, you must go handle a poisonous snake. To prove your faith, you must drink poison or Anyone must speak in tongues to prove they are saved. And that's absolutely not what this is saying. This is just saying that there will be miraculous things, not just with the apostles anymore, but with people at large, followers of Jesus. Verse 19. So the Lord Jesus, after speaking to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the accompanying signs. So this is the longer ending. Generally, nobody accepts it as authentic, but it doesn't change any doctrines. So that's why many Bibles include it, but with a note, this probably isn't authentic. So does it hurt to read it? No. Like I said, it doesn't change anything. And a good bit of it is just borrowed from the other Gospels, trying to make the ending of Mark sound better with, We've got to see Jesus. Well, we don't have to see Jesus. In Mark's account, Jesus has risen. How do we know Jesus has risen? God said so. And so if we say Mark is deficient without going beyond verse 8, we're saying we can't believe the word of God. We like the post-resurrection appearances, and there were, and the other evangelists include those appearances in their Gospels. Mark didn't, and we should be happy with that and take Mark for what it is, an account of the ministry of Jesus up through his death, burial, and resurrection. This finishes up the Gospel of Mark. Next, we'll take up Peter's letters, 1st and 2nd Peter. Mark was associated with Peter and it's believed that Mark may have written this, perhaps even in Rome. That's where Peter was in his latter years, and that Peter is basically Mark's source for most of the events of his gospel. And so since we have this connection between Mark and Peter, now that we're finishing up Mark, 
we'll take up Peter's letters. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we begin looking at 1 Peter.